Welcome back to Sebi Podcast. Today we're going to have Sebi and Will with an exclusive guest to break down the brackets of March Madness coming next. Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. And we welcome those of you guys again to an exclusive episode here on the Sebi Podcast Show. March Madness time. I mean, we can both agree that this is the best time of the year. Um, my personal favorite. You know, there's the NBA playoffs. There's the you know NFL playoffs. But there's just nothing like March Madness. The parody, the mayhem, the uncertainty. Like you know, where are these Cinderella teams going to come from? Uh, I know. I know for you, Will. Like you know, you look forward to that as well. Let me tell you, man, nothing gets your blood pumping like seeing those brackets and watching these crazy games unfold to watch some of the most unpredictable teams take down top seats. Absolutely there. And there's nobody better in the business than our next guest right here, Miss Amy Otterberg, uh, ESPN correspondent, native of um, Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls, exactly, right? And of course, we can't forget about the U. You know, you can't forget about the U when you represent her. Miss Amy, we're pleased to have you on the show today. Thank you. You're making me feel like a one seed without introduction. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, great. And um, well, for for the viewers that don't know who Miss Amy is, she's a correspondent for ESPN, also an alum for Miami, and she does a lot of these mid-major schools. Of course, some of the great interviews with Bill Self and things like that. Uh, tell us about some of those experiences. Yeah, I mean, they're just um, obviously incredible, and it's humbling when you get to talk to some of the greatest um, to coach or, you know, even some of the best players um, this year. But at the same time, for me, it's, it's, it's such a busy time as, as it is for anyone who's really involved in, in college basketball or even the NBA. It's just you wake up and you're like, well, that was really cool, but then you already start getting ready for something new. So I would say, I mean, if I, I'm, I'm really lucky as long as I can kind of put myself by sitting in gyms, uh, I'm still pretty happy about that. <laughs> great, great. Awesome there. And so let's just get right into it. I know you do cover a lot of these mid-major schools. Um, I've done my bracket already. I don't know if you've done well uh, yours yet. Still going to make some time. I've been too busy. <laughs> right, right. And so uh, a, a team that I've got going on far and a team that I've got my eyes on is the team that you cover a lot, the Buffalo Bulls. Um, this is a dangerous team. You know, come tournament time is where uh, guard play is huge. Um, they've got uh, Jeremy Harris, a left-handed player, and also um, CJ Massenberg. Uh, tell us about the great play of those players and, and how far can this Buffalo Bulls team really go and in, down into the tournament? Yeah, I mean, they're obviously a team that I'm very familiar with, and I'm, and I'm lucky to say that because they're really special um, because they're, you know, Western New York and, and and I'm, I'm a little disappointed they're a sixth seed, to be honest. I think they should have been closer to a five, especially what they did in last year's tournament. But, you know, you said the big names in, in CJ Massenburg, who had one Division One scholarship offer out of high school. His story is incredible. And, you know, he's the first guy in the gym. He, he's the last guy to leave. He's the hardest worker. Jeremy Harris was one of the top junior college transfers. So Nate Oaks, the head coach there, has done a fantastic job recruiting some of the high, like, really good talent and identifying it. His staff's done incredible. The other name there is Nick Perkins, who is the only player in Division One history now to win sixth player of the year in his conference three years in a row. 
And he actually just last week won the Bleacher Report Sixth Man of the Year as well. And it's, it's amazing when you kind of have this kind of talent that is accepting their roles and playing together. I mean, I was just in Cleveland a couple of days ago and I got to watch them win that um, win that championship, which they were the number one seed. They kind of were supposed to do it anyways, but I mean, they had a really good, they were really challenged by Bowling Green. But anyways, um, you know, they're coming to the tournament 12 wins in a row, which I believe is the longest, tied to the longest streak in the country. Um, they've had some big road wins, what they did last year against uh, DeAndre Ayton in the first round and really challenged Kentucky. I mean, I, and I, I'm going to say think they're playing Arizona State. So as long as they get past that first game, I've got them going pretty deep too because, again, you mentioned the guys, they're experienced. Um, and, yeah, I think they're ready for this. Absolutely, absolutely. When you look at these tournament upperclassmen, are ideal come tournament time for these mid-major schools. Uh, uh, following up that, tell us a couple of dark horses, a couple mid-major teams, Will or, or, or um, Amy here, that you guys have your eye on that can potentially make some noise in March. Well, along with Buffalo, I mean, I'm going to say the same one that probably a lot of other people are saying because they are that good. And Murray State with John Morant, I mean, he's fantastic. There's a reason Magic Johnson's hopping on the private jet to go to Evansville, Indiana and watch him play <laughs> in the Ohio. Right. You know, he's incredible talent. Wofford um, with Fletcher McGee, they've been, a, you know, they've been nationally ranked. Uh, it's kind of nice to see these mid-major teams really getting recognition. They can't control what conference they play in, but when they're challenging themselves in non-conference, and they're pretty successful. I think that's saying a lot about schools. Wofford, this year, they, and they lost by nine. I mean, that's always one of the toughest games of the year, right? So then also, uh, the game I'm most excited about, the playoff game, is the Belmont game, because I think Belmont's really good, too. Uh, I was just about to say that. I, I was just about to say that with Belmont. Final between Belmont and Murray State. I mean, it, to me, I was like, it was like kind of my home setter for, you know, it's March, here we go, because those teams were both incredible. I'm so happy that they were both awarded opportunities in the postseason. So, Amy, um, Will here, just wanted to ask you a question. I noticed that, you know, within the same region, Texas Tech, Northern Kentucky, and Buffalo there, I know you're loving the hype that Buffalo has around them, and hopefully they can you know, actually progress further into the brackets. My question is that if Texas Tech does play Buffalo in that game that they have right after um, the first, the qualifier, um, how would you think that Texas Tech, like, say, you know, just for just for hypothetical reasons, what Texas, would Buffalo, Texas Tech but, is good. I know they're, yeah. they're solid. I mean, they're, of course, a number three seed right now, but, like, how would Buffalo fare against Texas Tech if that game actually happened? Say Northern Kentucky, you know, loses or whatnot, but... Um, what would be like the score that you would predict and what type of big performances would you see from pre players like possibly Jarrett Culver over on Texas Tech? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have that game circled as well. I, I, I'm hoping it happens. Um, I have Buffalo winning. I know I'm partially biased, but again, I, I, you know, I go back to the NCAA tournament every year. One of the reasons why I love it is that it's because sometimes it's about the stories going into the tournament that kind of bring something different out of athletes. And when I look at a team like Buffalo, again, I look at these guys who are, they've got a solid core of vets who, I want to say, they probably have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they went and challenged and they went and took care of business and they established themselves. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a lot of up and down, which is what, unless you're Tony Bennett in Virginia, you probably want to see that in the NCAA tournament. 
So yeah, I think it's gonna be high scoring. And but again, like you said, I mean it's March, so your guys have got to. It's not. I love unsung heroes, but it's not necessarily the time for unsung heroes. You guys got to step up, and they got to take care of business, and they got to lead the team. So uh, that'll. You know, it's funny. I think for if you look at Buffalo and you look at their bracket, I think you know Texas Tech is a tougher matchup than. Maybe like they would go on and play Michigan or Gonzaga. So it, I think it, yeah, right. that first week is going right. to be a real. Uh, it's going in terms of matchups. It's they, they don't have an easy route, but I think they also have a. They give themselves an opportunity to match up with a lot of different teams because of their versatility. Definitely, definitely. Now, you know, we're in the Central Florida area and a lot of us are UCF students and uh, UCF alums, per se. And UCF is actually in the same bracket as Duke. Um, they have to play VCU first uh, ver- without Marcus Evans. I think that'll be huge. Um, I, I know in my bracket, I had UCF moving on. But, um, you know, I, what, what, what can we do against uh, Zion, or should I say Mount Zion, with all the hype that he's getting? I don't think there's been any other polarizing player like him in quite some time. Well, if I'm talking to you as a UCF fan, you want me to be honest or you want me to be nice? Because <laughs> I don't think you can do... No, you can be as realistic as possible. I mean, he is, I would tell you, like, I'm an ACC alumni, and I didn't go to Duke. I went to Miami, like you said. So I obviously, like, it killed me to put Duke all the way into my Final Four, but they're there because they are incredibly talented. I think it was at the beginning of the year when um, Duke played Auburn in Hawaii, and it was, for a while, it was close there. And the only way Auburn could really stop Zion was, like, putting two hands on him and throwing the floor. (laughs) <laughs> and that's right for me. I was like, you know what? This professional pass stuff's going to be amazing because he shouldn't be playing there because if that's how you got to stop him, then it's not fair. It's not, not, it's not fair. It's not healthy. It's not good. It's not good for the game. It's not good for the athletes. But, um, but for you guys, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to hope he doesn't go 13 for 13. He doesn't have any. <laughs> that's funny. And, but it's just not just him, though, right? Like, I mean, RJ Barrett is so good he, he's outstanding yeah he, he is i mean they all are like can't they have so many guys that can step up so um i do have ucf winning that first game i don't end the second game no offense and but i will tell you this with duke the one thing that really scares me about them and i'm going to sit on a soapbox is just that you know the ncaa tournament i want to ride with the men and women that have worn the jerseys four years that go into it and say hey this is 40 minutes this is my career you know, and the one thing with Duke is they don't have that. And that's not a cut against them. That's where the system's failing sometimes because you've got these guys who go in and they're super athletes, they're incredible competitors, but they've worn that jersey for about seven months and they know they're probably not going to be wearing that jersey for more than another three weeks, right? So that's just the one Definitely. thing that makes me... I don't want to say question because, again, they are one of the, they are the most, I believe, they're the most talented, athletically gifted group of men in this tournament. But if they are going to lose, it's because you're going to have a team that kind of is putting a little bit more of their heart down on the court. And that actually leads to my next thing here, and I'll start off with you, Will. Um, my final four, and I, I was the one that had the balls not to have Duke in my final four, and here's why. First of all, Michigan State. Um, I love Tom Izzo teams. Uh, come March, they're rounding into form. Um, it doesn't speak of what the resume that Michigan, Michigan State has done this year. I mean, they beat 
Michigan three times, their arch rivals, but they've won the second strongest conference in the country this year. They won the regular season and the tournament championship, and I don't understand how they're not a one seed. And all of a sudden, they're in Duke's region, and if they were to meet in the Elite Eight, I have Michigan State beating Duke in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. And of course, my other three picks are Tennessee uh, in the South region, Gonzaga in the West region, and North Carolina in the Midwest. So your thoughts on that, Will? Basically, I mean, what you have to consider is, I mean, another fact too that you got to consider when it comes to Michigan State is that they have failed to reach the Sweet 16 in three consecutive years. And this is the first time during, I mean, underneath the Izzo era. Yeah. So really, you're, I mean, the fact is, is that, you know, you have Cassius Winston. Do you think that he's enough of an influence and enough of a power to help break that streak that they had? Uh, Cassius Winston to me is big time. Uh, and of course, um, the, the reason why I would say that they have a chance and I have them beaten, I may be wrong, but I have them beaten Duke is because Cassius Winston is a big time player. He's right in the thick of things for National Player of the Year. And then Nick Ward is back. That is huge. Yep. To go along with Gorns and Livers. I know they have some injuries with Jeremy Langford that's out, but the coaching of Izzo against Coach K, it's not a dra drastic drop off. And then they've got playmakers. I, I just, I like Michigan. And the thing with Duke is, is they're ranked 340th out of 350, 350th shooting the three. You know, come wow. postseason time, you're going to have to shoot, knock down some shots. So yeah, your thoughts on that, uh, you know, Amy, and your final four picks. Yeah, well, I think it goes directly to what I was just saying. And it's funny because that bracket was one of the tougher ones. I mean, I had that. We have a lot of things. I have Tennessee in my final four with UNC. That side was easy. It was the other side, right? So I'm really still struggling a little with Duke and Michigan State because of what we just talked about. You said you look at Michigan State, and yeah, they've got some great guard play, but and then you look at Matt McQuaid and Kenny, um, you know. Tom Izzo just did a press conference yesterday and talked about the seniors and his leadership and, and what they've meant to the team. So I'm still trying. I, and, but I will say this. I picked Michigan State in my final four so many years in a row now that, like like you said, I'm getting <laughs> knocked out early. So, I mean, it's funny. I was filling out my bracket. It's the same thing with Virginia. It was like, I, I'm getting, like, almost anxiety because I've given you guys so many chances. And the same with Gonzaga, right? But, um yeah, so yeah, I guess to my point to your question, so I do have Duke right now, but I what do I have another day and another twenty four hours or so to switch that? And uh, I, I have Gonzaga in in my final four as well, but it depends who they're playing in that. That that region is really hard. That region is really hard. It's yeah, it, it's it's really hard because like you guys were already saying, there's some there's some of those. Um, mid-majors that have low rankings that could be really really good so i would be annoyed if i was in the west bracket because it depends who gonzaga is going to be matched up against and i mean hey florida state if they see florida state that's a tough game florida state as much as you guys understand that's an absolutely kill me to say it florida state is looking really really good so that bracket's just going to be tough and, and that's probably going to be my messiest <laughs> Got you. So, yeah, I would agree with you there um, on that side. Grant Williams in Tennessee is huge. I, 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 that was easy um, on the South region, picking them against uh, UNC. And spoiler alert, I've got the Tar Heels winning the national title. Well, 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 we'll have to see if Roy Williams and his squad can hopefully go all the way for the sake of Sebi's bracket. 
Meanwhile, the entire Sevy podcast crew want to thank Amy Audibert for joining us on this March Madness episode, and we fully appreciated her professional and valuable input today. And you guys let us know who you think is going to take the championship this year, and we'll keep you updated on all the games on Twitter and Instagram. Stay tuned, because it's time to let the madness begin. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info some cool merch if you want to dm us and send us all of your email requests we'll be sure to get them here on the sebi podcast experience and remember folks whether you're listening on air or viewing online sebi podcast is wherever you go and that is the slogan